Chapters twenty and twenty one of the Women of the American Revolution, Volume One by Elizabeth F. Ellet. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter twenty Dorcas Richardson. Asterisk. For the details of this sketch, I am indebted to the kindness of Dr. Joseph Johnson of Charleston, who has collected and preserved many interesting anecdotes of the war in South Carolina. Return to text fruitful in noble spirits were those wild and gloomy times and woman's high truth and heroic devotion poured a solemn radiance over the dreary and appalling scene of civil war no pen has recorded the instances innumerable in which her virtues shone conspicuous they are forgotten by those who enjoy the benefits thus secured or but a vague recollection remains or an example is here and there remembered in family tradition even to these examples what meagre justice can be done by the few scattered and desultory anecdotes which must take the place of a complete history living in the midst of the storm and struggle and bearing more than her own share of the terrible trials which fell to woman's lot mrs richardson afforded an example of modest heroism and of humble cheerful faith her residence was in clarendon sumter district she was the daughter of captain john nelson a native of ireland who married miss brownson of south carolina the ferry over the santee river established and kept for several years by them is still called nelson's ferry and many of their descendants continue to live on both sides of the river it is said that lord cornwallis on his march into the interior after the fall of charleston established his headquarters at this ferry at the house of the widow nelson she received from him an assurance that her property should be protected when a large quantity of plate which she had buried for security was discovered and claimed as a prize by the captors she reminded his lordship of his promise but he refused to order the restoration of the plate saying that the protection he had pledged extended only to things above ground dorcas was married at the age of twenty in seventeen sixty one and removed to her husband's plantation situated about twenty miles further up the river on the east side near the junction of the congaree and watery in this home of peace contentment and abundance she enjoyed all the comforts of southern country life among the prosperous class till the outburst of that storm in which the fortunes and happiness of so many patriots were wrecked at the commencement of the war richard richardson was captain of a company of militia in the brigade of his father general richardson and with him embraced the quarrel of the colonies in defence of their chartered rights both were zealous firm and influential officers the captain was frequently called out with his company by orders of the new government and his first expedition was against the loyalists in the upper districts incited by the royal governor lord william campbell general richardson commanded and was aided by colonel william thompson which his regiment of regulars called the rangers the enemy was dispersed most of their leaders captured and the arms and ammunition they had seized recovered captain richardson was appointed with his mounted men to guard the prisoners to charleston this occurrence took place at the close of seventeen seventy five and the winter having set in earlier than usual with uncommon severity the young soldiers suffering much from the cold sleet and snow it was called the snow campaign when the three regiments of regulars were raised and officered in seventeen seventy five captain richardson and his father were retained in the militia on account of their great popularity and influence edward a younger brother being appointed captain of the rangers under colonel thompson a second regiment of riflemen however was raised in march of the following year and richard richardson was appointed captain under colonel thomas sumter 
from this time during the six succeeding years he was able to be very little at home with his family at the surrender of charleston he was taken prisoner with his father and brother in violation of the terms of capitulation richard was sent to a military station on john's island where he nearly fell a victim to the smallpox the british having failed to observe the conditions on which he had surrendered as soon as he recovered sufficiently to move about he made his escape and being disguised by the effects of the disease returned to the neighbourhood of his home where he concealed himself in the santee swamp this extensive swamp land borders the river for many miles presenting to the view a vast plain of dense woods which seem absolutely impervious the recesses of those dark thickets where the trees grow close together and are interlaced by a luxuriant growth of giant creepers often afforded hiding-places for the hunted americans at this time the british troops had overrun the state and colonel tarleton had made the house of captain richardson with some others a station for his regiment of cavalry they lived luxuriously on the abundance of his richly stocked and well-cultivated plantation while mrs richardson and her children it is said were restricted to a single apartment and allowed but a scanty share of the provisions furnished from her own stores here was an occasion for the exercise of self-denial that the wants of one dear to her might be supplied every day she sent food from her small allowance to her husband in the swamp by an old and faithful negro in whose care and discretion she could implicitly trust she had expected the seizure of her horses and cattle by the british and had sent richardson's favourite riding-horse into the swamp for concealment with a few cattle which she wished to save for future need everything that fell into the enemy's hands was consumed the horse was shut up in a covered pen in the woods which had once been used for holding corn and he thence received the name of corncrib he was subsequently killed in the battle of utah mrs richardson not only sent provisions to her husband in his place of shelter but sometimes ventured to visit him taking with her their little daughter these stolen meetings were full of consolation to the fugitive soldier the spot he had chosen for his retreat was a small knoll or elevation in the heart of the swamp called john's island by way of distinction from another in the neighbourhood occupied by other whigs which bore the name of beach island on this many of their initials may still be seen carved on the bark of the trees it was not long before the british had information of richardson's escape they naturally concluded that he was somewhere in the vicinity of his family and relatives a diligent search was instituted scouts were sent in every direction and they watched to surprise him or find some clue to his retreat in secret and publicly rewards were offered for his apprehension but without success one day an officer caressing the little girl asked when she had seen her papa the mother grew pale but dared not speak for a short time only had elapsed since the child had been taken on a visit to her father the thoughtless prattler answered promptly that she had seen him only a few days before and where asked the officer eager to extract information from innocent lips that might betray the patriot the child replied without hesitation on john's island the officer knew of no place so called except the large sea island from which richardson had escaped after a moment's reflection he came to the conclusion that the child had been dreaming relieved the mother's throbbing heart by saying pshaw that was a long time ago it may well be believed that the little tell-tale was not trusted with another visit to the spot not unfrequently did the officers in the most unfeeling manner boast in the presence of the wife of what they would do to her husband when they should capture him 
only once did she deign the reply i do not doubt that men who can outrage the feelings of a woman by such threats are capable of perpetrating an act of treachery and inhumanity towards a brave but unfortunate enemy but conquer or capture my husband if you can do so before you boast the cruelty you mean to mark your savage triumph and let me tell you meanwhile that some of you it is likely will be in a condition to implore his mercy before he will have need to supplicate or deign to accept yours this prediction was literally verified in more than one instance during the eventful remainder of the war tarleton himself was frequently present during these scenes apparently a pleased though generally a silent spectator he would remark at times in the way of self-vindication that he commiserated the trials and wondered at the endurance of this heroic woman but that his sanction of such proceedings was necessary to the success of his majesty's cause weak cause indeed that was constrained to wring the cost of its maintenance from the bleeding hearts of wives and mothers on one occasion some of the officers displayed in the sight of mrs richardson their swords reeking with blood probably that of her cattle and told her it was the blood of captain richardson whom they had killed at another time they brought intelligence that he had been taken and hanged in this state of cruel suspense she sometimes remained for several successive days unable to learn the fate of her husband and not knowing whether to believe or distrust the horrible tales brought to her ears one day when the troops were absent on some expedition captain richardson ventured on a visit to his home a happy hour was it to the anxious wife and faithful domestics when they could greet him once more in his own mansion but before he thought of returning to his refuge in the forest a patrolling party of the enemy appeared unexpectedly at the gate mrs richardson's presence of mind and calm courage were in instant requisition and proved the salvation of the hunted patriot seeing the british soldiers about to come in she pretended to be intently busy about something in the front door and stood in the way retarding their entrance the least appearance of agitation or fear the least change of colour might have betrayed all by exciting suspicion but with a self-control as rare as admirable she hushed even the wild beating of her heart and continued to stand in the way till her husband had time to retire through the back door into the swamp near at hand the brave captain was not idle in his seclusion but collecting around him the whigs of his acquaintance who remained firm in their devotion to their native land he trained them daily in cavalry exercise when tarleton ravaged the plantation and burnt the dwelling of his deceased father general richardson he passed so near the ruins as to see the extent of the desolation general marion happened at that time to be in a very critical situation and unaware of the great superiority of the enemy's force close at hand the gallant richardson hastened to his aid joined him and conducted the retreat of his army which was immediately commenced and successfully executed the british were not long in discovering that the captain had joined the forces of marion and their deportment to his wife was at once changed one and all professed a profound respect for her brave and worthy husband whose services they were desirous of securing they endeavoured to obtain her influence to prevail on him to join the royal army by promises of pardon wealth and honourable promotion the high-spirited wife treated all such offers with the contempt they deserved and refused to be made instrumental to their purposes they then dispatched his brother edward who was a prisoner on parole upon the adjoining plantation to be bearer of their offers by him mrs richardson also sent a message to her husband it was to assure him that she did not join in british solicitations that she and her children were well and provided with abundance of everything necessary for their comfort 
thus with heroic art did she conceal the privations and wants she was suffering lest her husband's solicitude for her and his family might tempt him to waver from strict obedience to the dictates of honour and patriotism edward went as directed to the american camp took his brother into marian's presence and there faithfully delivered both messages with which he had been charged these specious offers from the enemy were of course rejected and the messenger conceiving himself absolved from his parole by the treatment he had received remained with marian till the termination of hostilities in the state several times after this did richard place his life in peril to visit his amiable family hearing that tarleton's troop had been ordered away from his plantation he obtained permission to go thither for a short time he arrived in safety but had been seen on his way by a loyalist a party of them was immediately assembled and was soon to be seen drawn up in front of his house corncrib the faithful steed was hitched outside the gate his master hastily came forth leaped on him and galloping up the avenue where the enemy were posted passed through the midst of them without receiving either a shot or a sabre wound just as he passed their ranks one of his well-known neighbours fired at him but missed the aim all this took place in sight of his terrified family who often afterwards described his danger and providential escape his wife could only account for this by conjecturing that the party had determined to take richardson alive and thus claim the reward offered for his apprehension and that when in their midst they could not shoot him without the risk of killing some of their comrades his daring gallantry entirely disconcerted them and saved his life some time after this he again asked the indulgence of a visit to his family but general marion in granting it mindful of the danger he had before encountered insisted that he should be accompanied by an escort the party had scarcely reached the house of richardson when as before a large body of british and tories was seen advancing rapidly down the avenue eager to surprise their intended victims to remount in all haste their wearied steeds and rush down the bank at the rear of the house seeking concealment in the swamp offered the only chance for escape in this they all succeeded except a young man named roberts with whom mrs richardson was well acquainted and who was taken prisoner in vain did she intercede for him with the british officers and with streaming eyes implore them to spare the life of the unfortunate youth they hanged him on a walnut tree only a few paces from her door and compelled her to witness the revolting spectacle when she complained with tears of anguish of this cruelty to herself and barbarity towards one who had offended by risking his life in defence of her husband they jeeringly told her they would soon have him also and then she should see him kick like that fellow to such atrocities could the passions of brutalized men lead them even in an age and nation that boasted itself the most enlightened on earth when peace returned to shed blessings over the land mrs richardson continued to reside in the same house with her family tarleton and his troopers had wasted the plantation and destroyed everything movable about the dwelling but the buildings had been spared because they were spacious and afforded a convenient station for the british about midway between camden and fort watson on scott's lake colonel richardson who had been promoted for his meritorious service in the field cheerfully resumed the occupations of a planter his circumstances were much reduced by the chances of war but a competence remained which he and his wife enjoyed in tranquillity and happiness surrounded by affectionate relatives and friendly neighbours of their ten children four died young the rest married and reared families mrs richardson survived her husband many years and died at the advanced age of ninety-three in eighteen thirty four 
she was remarkable throughout life for the calm judgment fortitude and strength of mind which had sustained her in the trials she suffered during the war and protected her from injury or insult when surrounded by a lawless soldiery to these elevated qualities she united unostentatious piety and a disposition of uncommon serenity and cheerfulness her energy and consolations through the vicissitudes of life were derived from religion it was her hope and triumph in the hour of death chapter twenty one elizabeth grace and rachel martin the daring exploit of two women in ninety six district furnishes an instance of courage as striking as any remembered among the traditions of south carolina during the sieges of augusta and cambridge the patriotic enthusiasm that prevailed among the people prompted to numerous acts of personal risk and sacrifice this spirit encouraged by the successes of sumter and others over the british arms was earnestly fostered by general green whose directions marked at least the outline of every undertaking in the efforts made to strike a blow at the invader's power the sons of the martin family were among the most distinguished for active service rendered and for injuries sustained at the enemy's hands the wives of the two eldest during their absence remained at home with their mother-in-law one evening intelligence came to them that a courier conveying important dispatches to one of the upper stations was to pass that night along the road guarded by two british officers they determined to waylay the party and at the risk of their lives to obtain possession of the papers for this purpose the two young women disguised themselves in their husbands clothes and being well provided with arms took their station at a point on the road which they knew the escort must pass it was already late and they had not waited long before the tramp of horses was heard in the distance it may be imagined with what anxious expectation the heroines awaited the approach of the critical moment on which so much depended the forest solitude around them the silence of night and the darkness must have added to the terrors conjured up by busy fancy presently the courier appeared with his attendant guards as they came close to the spot the disguised women leaped from their covert in the bushes presented their pistols at the officers and demanded the instant surrender of the party and their dispatches the men were completely taken by surprise and in their alarm at the sudden attack yielded a prompt submission the seeming soldiers put them on their parole and having taken possession of the papers hastened home by a short cut through the woods no time was lost in sending the important documents by a trusty messenger to general green the adventure had a singular termination the paroled officers thus thwarted in their mission returned by the road they had taken and stopping at the house of mrs martin asked accommodation as weary travellers for the night the hostess inquired the reason of their returning so soon after they had passed they replied by showing their paroles saying they had been taken prisoners by two rebel lads the ladies rallied them upon their want of intrepidity had you no arms was asked the officers answered that they had arms but had been suddenly taken off their guard and were allowed no time to use their weapons they departed the next morning having no suspicion that they owed their capture to the very women whose hospitality they had claimed the mother of this patriotic family was a native of caroline county virginia her name was elizabeth marshall and she was probably of the same family with chief justice marshall as she belonged to the same neighborhood after her marriage to abram martin she removed to his settlement bordering on the indian nation in ninety six now edgefield district south carolina the country at that time was sparsely settled most of its inhabitants being pioneers from other states chiefly from virginia 
and their neighborhood to the indians had caused the adoption of some of their savage habits the name edgefield is said to have been given because it was at that period the edge or boundary of the respectable settlers and their cultivated fields civilization however increased with the population and in the time of the revolution ninety-six was among the foremost in sending into the field its quota of hardy and enterprising troops to oppose the british and their savage allies at the commencement of the contest mrs martin had nine children seven of whom were sons old enough to bear arms these brave young men under the tuition and example of their parents had grown up in attachment to their country and ardently devoted to its service were ready on every occasion to encounter the dangers of border warfare when the first call for volunteers sounded through the land the mother encouraged their patriotic zeal go boys she said fight for your country fight till death if you must but never let your country be dishonoured were i a man i would go with you at another time when colonel kruger commanded the british at cambridge and colonel brown in augusta several british officers stopped at her house for refreshment and one of them asked how many sons she had she answered eight and to the question where they all were replied promptly seven of them are engaged in the service of their country really madam observed the officer sneeringly you have enough of them no sir said the matron proudly i wish i had fifty her house in the absence of the sons was frequently exposed to the depredations of the tories on one occasion they cut open her feather beds and scattered the contents when the young men returned shortly afterwards their mother bade them pursue the marauders one of the continental soldiers having been left at the house badly wounded mrs martin kindly attended and nursed him till his recovery a party of loyalists who heard of his being there came with the intention of taking his life but she found means to hide him from their search the only daughter of mrs martin letitia married captain edmund wade of virginia who fell with his commander general montgomery at the siege of quebec at the time of the siege of charleston by sir henry clinton the widow was residing with her mother at ninety-six her son washington wade was then five years old and remembers many occurrences connected with the war Asterisk. most of the particulars relating to this family were furnished by him to dr johnson of charleston who kindly communicated them to me with additional ones obtained from other branches of the family return to text the house was about one hundred miles in a direct line west of charleston he recollects walking in the piazza on a calm evening with his grandmother a light breeze blew from the east and the sound of heavy cannon was distinctly heard in that direction asterisk the statement has been repeatedly confirmed by others in the neighborhood returned text the sound of cannon heard at that time and in that part of the state they knew must come from the besieged city as report after report reached their ears the agitation of mrs martin increased she knew not what evils might be announced she knew not but the sound might be the knell of her sons three of whom were then in charleston their wives were with her and partook of the same heart-chilling fears they stood still for a few minutes each wrapped in her own painful and silent reflections till the mother at length lifting her hands and eyes towards heaven exclaimed fervently thank god they are the children of the republic of the seven patriot brothers six were spared through all the dangers of partisan warfare in the region of the dark and bloody ground the eldest william m martin was a captain of artillery and after having served with distinction in the sieges of savannah and charleston 
was killed at the siege of augusta just after he had obtained a favorable position for his cannon by elevating it on one of the towers constructed by general pickens it is related that not long after his death a british officer passing to fort ninety six then in possession of the english rode out of his way to gratify his hatred to the whigs by carrying the fatal news to the mother of this gallant young man he called at the house and asked mrs martin if she had not a son in the army at augusta she replied in the affirmative then i saw his brains blown out on the field of battle said the monster who anticipated his triumph in the sight of a parent's agony but the effect of the startling announcement was other than he expected terrible as was the shock and aggravated by the ruthless cruelty with which her bereavement was made known no woman's weakness was suffered to appear after listening to the dreadful recital the only reply made by this american dame was he could not have died in a nobler cause the evident chagrin of the officer as he turned and rode away is still remembered in the family tradition this eldest son married grace waring of dorchester when she was but fourteen years of age she was the daughter of benjamin waring who afterwards became one of the earliest settlers of columbia when established as the seat of government in the state the principles of the revolution had been taught her from childhood and her efforts to promote its advancement were joined with those of her husband's family she was one of the two who risked their lives to seize upon the dispatches as above related her husband's untimely death left her with three young children two sons and a daughter but she never married again her companion in that daring and successful enterprise was the wife of barclay martin another son she was rachel clay the daughter of henry clay jr of mecklenburg county virginia and first cousin to henry clay of kentucky she is said to be still living in bedford county tennessee is about eighty-six years of age and never had any children her sister married matthew another of the brothers and removed to tennessee their family was large and of high respectability one of the sons is the hon barclay martin late member of congress from that state his father lived to a great age and died in tennessee in october eighteen forty seven about seventy-six years after his first battlefield the descendants of the other brothers are numerous and respectable in the different southern states a tribute is due to the fortitude of those who suffered when the war swept with violence over georgia after colonel campbell took possession of savannah in seventeen seventy eight the whole country was overrun with irregular marauders wilder and more ruthless than the cossacks of the don as many of the inhabitants as could retire from the storm did so awaiting a happier time to renew the struggle one of those who had sought refuge in florida was mr spaulding whose establishments were on the river st john's he had the whole indian trade from the altamaha to the apalachicola his property with his pursuits was destroyed by the war yet his heart was ever with his countrymen and the home he had prepared for his wife was the refuge of every american prisoner in florida the first assembly that met in savannah recalled him and restored his lands but could not give back his business nor secure the debts due while his british creditors with their demands for accumulated interest pressed upon the remnants of his fortune under these adverse circumstances and distressed on account of the losses of her father and brothers who had taken arms in the american cause mrs spaulding performed her arduous duties with a true woman's fidelity and tenderness she followed her husband with her child when flight became necessary and twice during the war traversed the two hundred miles between savannah and st john's river in an open boat with only black servants on board when the whole country was a desert without a house to shelter her and her infant son 
the first of these occasions was when she visited her father and brothers while prisoners in savannah the second when in seventeen eighty two she went to congratulate her brothers and uncle on their victory this lady was the daughter of colonel william mackintosh and the niece of general lachlan mackintosh major spalding of georgia is her son mrs spalding's health was seriously impaired by the anxieties endured during the struggle and many years afterwards it was deemed necessary for her to try the climate of europe in january eighteen hundred she with her son and his wife left savannah in a british ship of twenty guns with fifty men built in all points to resemble a sloop of war without the appearance of a cargo when they had been out about fifteen days the captain sent one morning at daylight to request the presence of two of his gentlemen passengers on deck a large ship painted black and showing twelve guns on a side was seen to windward running across their course she was obviously a french privateer the captain announced that there was no hope of outsailing her should their course be altered nor would there be hope in a conflict as those ships usually carried one hundred and fifty men yet he judged that if no effort were made to shun the privateer the appearance of his ship might deter from an attack the gentlemen were of the same opinion mr spalding heartsick at thought of the perilous situation of his wife and mother and unwilling to trust himself with an interview till the crisis was over requested the captain to go below and make what preparation he could for their security after a few minutes absence the captain returned to describe a most touching scene mrs spalding had placed her daughter-in-law and the other inmates of the cabin for safety in the two state-rooms filling the berths with cots and bedding from the outer cabin she had then taken her own station beside the scuttle which led from the outer cabin to the magazine with two buckets of water having noticed that the two cabin boys were heedless she had determined herself to keep watch over the magazine she did so till the danger was past the captain took in his light sails hoisted his boarding nettings opened his ports and stood on upon his course the privateer waited till the ship was within a mile then fired a gun to windward and stood on her way this ruse preserved the ship the incident may serve to show the spirit of this matron who also bore her high part in the perils of the revolution End of chapters twenty and twenty one